All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we we like to take a listener question when the listener visited our website, techgumbo.net, and they went to the question of the week tab and submitted the question. This week's question, I'd like to hear more analysis on the massive Louisiana DMV hack and the implications. To help us answer this question, once again, we brought back Jordan Newey. How's it going, guys? Uh, happy to be here with you guys. So, Uwe is a former resident of Louisiana. This may involve you as well. Since Haggai does not live in Louisiana anymore, it still may involve him. It definitely does involve me because I still have an active driver's license in the state of Louisiana. But apparently millions of people, upwards of 6 million people, both in the state of Louisiana and Oregon, had their driver's license information, including state IDs and social security numbers and addresses and all that information that's compiled by the DMVs has been breached. Yeah, this is a pretty large scale hack. It was the software company Progress Software from Massachusetts made a file transfer tool known as Move It, And there was a security flaw in that, and they were able to get in and get not only data from the Louisiana DMV, the Oregon DMV, but also a lot of private companies as well. BBC, British Airways, the University of Georgia. This is a pretty expansive hack here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I feel like it's very interesting to think about the fact that whenever it comes to these more third-party companies that, that the DMV, BBCs, other people are trying to use, for, let's, let's be very clear very from the very beginning. You should always use a very, very secure password for making a password. It prevents more naive hacks people can use on uh, your data. But really, when it comes down to it, you're really at the mercy of the hashing algorithms that these companies choose to use in order to make your passwords secure. Because and at this point, right, so let's say, for example, this company, Progress, they decided to use something that was maybe not as advanced, not a uh, an encryption algorithm or a hashing algorithm that was not as advanced, maybe some didn't use salting or something of that nature, then, you know, you're at the mercy of that negligence, right, which is very, very unfortunate. So you, you're kind of just putting your data and your trust in these other people's hands that you don't really know. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a difficult situation. Because it's not just this company. You know, we, you have visit public service, if you want to drive a car in Louisiana or Oregon, you had to go to the DMV. A few years ago, there's the Experian Act, wherever everyone's social security numbers, credit card numbers, all that kind of data was tied up in there. And 
you have to make use of those services as well. These aren't just things that you cannot use. They're things that you are forced into by being part of society. And so as we continue on into the future and there's more and more of these that get hacked over time, how much of our data will be vulnerable? You know, how much of it is something that we can control by having good passwords or how much of it is just you have to hope and pray that the cybersecurity and that's, you know, the people who are working there and that the infrastructure and that the decisions are all the soundest and the best and the, the most well-funded and well-protected, but that's clearly not the world we live in and probably not the world that we're moving into anytime soon. So CLOP, C-L-O-P, is the name of the Russian-speaking hacking group that has claimed credit for for this hack. And they are a, an organization that is their their reputation is to go after multi-million dollar ransoms. And the hackers appear to be trying to extort these companies. And it doesn't appear that the extortion is going well for these hackers at the moment. It also does not appear that any of the data has actually been used. These companies have all been tracking companies, whether it's the Louisiana DMV, Oregon DMV, BBC, British Airways, Georgia, University of Georgia, and even the the Federal Office of Personnel Management got hacked by this as well. They are all out there monitoring, looking for their data that, that has been leaked to see if any of it is floating around through the dark web. And so far as of now, it's still remaining safe. It's also interesting to note that None of the U.S. agencies, uh, federal or state, are claiming that they've been contacted for a ransom yet. And so usually this group CLOP, their motive is to go after the private companies and to extort them for ransom. In the past, they've asked for nearly $100 million from one corporate victim. And that's just a ridiculous number that obviously that company was not going to pay because most companies, one, aren't worth that much, and two, they don't have that amount of money to pay to reclaim whatever data was stolen. So it seems that they're better hackers than they are business people, which is an interesting place to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I feel like it's very, yeah, basically it's what you said, right? It's, we're in this very weird spot where the potential there for that is incredibly, I mean, obviously right now, right, like you said, like they're not really going after the government, the, the, I guess the, the data that, 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 was, that was more federal or like associated with, with, with citizens, going after these more private companies. Uh, because that's where the money is right but the scary thing is like you said is that we are forced into these things because at this point in society like everyone has to have a driver's license everyone has to file their taxes right everyone has to do these things that are all digital information and we're at the mercy of these companies security and although those these hackers are not going after those more i guess public or government agencies the potential is there so it's just like that is very very scary to think about you know hopefully it never gets to a point where uh, things like that that happen, but I mean, it's it's it it is there for sure. So in Louisiana, the Office of Motor Vehicles and the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparation, they've come out and said, "Look, you should take some steps to protect yourself. The first thing you should do is start changing your passwords. Any any password that you've been using on your banks or your credit cards, change those immediately." Any password that is tied to both an account that was hacked and those other objects. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if if you have a separate password for your bank, then your driver's license, it's unlikely they're going to jump streams there. But 
it's a good habit to just periodically change your passwords anyway, because a lot of these things will be hacked and maybe not, might not make the news. But if you were using one password across a lot of different services, you should try and break that habit as well. But especially if you're using one password across services that you know have already been hacked, such as your driver's license and your bank accounts or other financial information or other important information, change that password. So if you're going to change your passwords, one of the things we've talked about in the past, the password managers, but if you're not going to use a password manager, at least be creative with the password that you're going to use going forward. We know you're not going to use pass at word anymore or one, two, three, four, five, six. No listener to this show would do that, right? But use green horse truck with an ampersand or an, an asterisk or an exclamation part before or after. Some phrase that nonsensical phrase that's got 15 letters in it or characters, that's a very complex password and will do you very well, but you've got to use different variations of that password. And the way that I always think about it is you have some phrase and then whatever you're logging into. So it could be, my name is ESPN. My name is Facebook. And so that way you have some phrase which makes it long enough to give you enough letters. You can add a capital M and you could have the capital F for Facebook. And then you have a one at the end. And then whenever you need to change that, it's my name is Facebook two. My name is Facebook three. And so that way your password is going to be unique to every site you log into, while at the same time still being memorable. Because if you just have some long password that you're always remembering, ah, oh, which one was it again? You know, have I changed it? Was it this? Was it that? That doesn't do you any good because then you're not incentivized to use it. It needs to be simple enough and memorable enough that you can pull it out of your head relatively easily. And so that's why I really like this, having the phrase and the site you're logging into as a combination, because that gives you security, it gives you reliability, it gives you ease. Uh, that is really what, what's what I do. That's where all of my passwords are in some format. Like the other thing you should really do is go to the different credit bureaus and some, and do a credit freeze so that only you can allow uh, an application for a credit card or any kind of application for any credit can can go through. I personally put a credit freeze on my credit uh, scores of almost two years ago. And over the past two years, I've gotten 10, maybe 12 letters saying, hey, we've we've denied the, the credit card you've applied for. And I hadn't actually applied for that credit card. So it, it does work to do that. Yeah, there's a lot of different steps you can take to make sure that you're protecting yourself ahead of time because security is not just reactive, it's also proactive. So thank you to that listener for submitting the question. We will be sending out that big, beautiful tech gumbo mug. And if you would like a tech gumbo mug, you can go to our website, techgumbo.net. And there's a picture of the mug right there on the website and you can submit your question. And if we use your question, we'll be glad to send you a big tech gumbo mug. Have I said tech gumbo mug enough times? Maybe once more, just for So moving on, let's go to the big story of the week. And that story revolves around what happens when AI overrules the nurse who's taking care of you. This one was something that's very interesting as you have artificial intelligence, machine learning models, large language models, 
move more and more into different aspects of our life, one of them that's very important and very complicated is medicine. And so these are two stories that we found which talk about it in a lot of the nuances, the complexities of it, and so we wanted to bring it to you guys today. So what happened in the story, this nurse was taking care of, an, of a patient in the oncology department, and the AI started saying that the patient was septic, and she knew that the patient was not septic. She had been working with the patient. She could see the patient. She also knew the patient had had leukemia, which gives the same kind of symptoms that the AI was picking up on. Well, because the hospital policies that were in place forced her to then run a lot of very expensive tests that she could not overrule, and the test all came back negative for being septic, and she said, yeah, I told you so, but the AI forced her to do that. Yeah, and this is a trend which is not unique to this specific case. There was a survey that was published by the National Nurses United Union, and 24% said that they had been prompted by an algorithm to make a choice they believed was not in the best interest of patients based on their judgment. And of those people, another 31% said they weren't allowed to overrule that algorithm. And so here we have a lot of people who are trying to do their jobs. They are skilled, experienced nurses. And we have technologies being implemented in a way that is not aiding them, not augmenting them, it is superseding them. And that is not where these tools can shine. Yeah, I think the word you just use implementation is, is the key word there, right? It's, it's the fact that these are great tools. These are wonderful tools that can help us. You know, some of them is kind of saying that on average, they can detect maybe symptoms or whatever it is, 28 hours ahead of time of what would be normally possible. But I don't think that we're at any point, right, where these language models, because really that's what they are. They're you know, complex models, complex, you know, not real intelligences, right, should be superseding experts in the field and human decision-making. Yeah, I think and, once again, implementation is, uh, is, is a key word there. And again, this artificial intelligence is a tool that can absolutely help. Since the pandemic, there was a, a survey by the Nurses Association that 43% of the nurses are send, saying they're burned out and they, they need help. Well, a lot of these hospitals are going out and they're finding things like artificial intelligence to help them help take a little pressure off that diagnosis. But if the nurses aren't allowed to do their jobs and override based upon their level of expertise and experience, then you've not really helped the nurse. You've made their situation that much more stressful. Yeah, and there was another article that we found which was created by another set of surveys. This one compiled by Duke University, and they described their findings as a yawning gap between the marketing of AI and the months or sometimes years of toil that it takes to get the technology to work the right way in the real world. And that is where we are at this, this point, is that these technologies have the promise to do a lot of fascinating things, but anytime you're implementing a technology like this, this is very complex and very complicated, and it, it's hard, even in fields that aren't as difficult and as life and death as nursing and medicine, it is tough to do these things. And so we need to be patient with our implementation. We need to take longer think more about how we're doing them to be thoughtful with them, because then you can relieve the burden on the nurses 
you can still empower them to make good choices and allow them to be medical professionals and also be better medical professionals with this technology. It sounds like we're being very, very harsh on the administration of hospitals and things like this to making decisions. But we have to really like acknowledge that these are not easy decisions to make, right? Like these tools are very complex. Like how I said, they're incredibly difficult to use and to make a standard, to make a general set of rules to say, hey, this is what we need to do in each of these situations and make those rules for nurses and other health practitioners while using these tools and to make those rules almost absolute, right? It's not, a, it's not an easy thing to do. There's, there's no one here who would say that, oh, implementing the rules that nurses should use when using AI tools, using language models is an easy thing to do, is an easy thing to, 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 to devise. There's no way that's an easy task to do. So there, obviously, you know, people are still using, like learning to use these tools. What's the best way to do this implementation? But I do think that I agree, you know, we should obviously err on the side of you know, giving more, more, more credit and more, yeah, and maybe agency towards, uh, to, towards real, real human decision. Could not agree more. And we talked about it, you know, having consortiums of different industries pulled together, or different companies, different groups of hospitals come up for rules instead of one particular hospital having a rule this way and the hospital across the street having a completely different rule as to how to use these tools. That can be confusing and is not a best practice. Whereas if you have all of the hospitals, and it would be impossible to get all of the hospitals agree to the time of day, I get that. But if you have a group of hospitals saying, this is how we're doing it, and we, we recommend using these policies when you're rolling out these artificial intelligence tools, now you've got something that's going to work together on. You also have to take into account that different branches of medicine operate differently, that the way that you would use artificial intelligence and machine learning in radiology is very different than you would do it in pediatric settings. And so each one of them needs to understand what are the specifics of the field that it's operating in. And so this gets very hard because each one has its own little twists and little turns and different ways that what they're doing is specific and complicated. And so there is a lot of thinking that needs to go into these things. And none of this is, is specific to medicine. Every field is about to run into these problems if it's not already. That's Microsoft has said that GPT is coming to the next Microsoft suite. And so a lot of these problems, wherever it's not going to be life and death, whenever you have a business that is considering which spreadsheet to use. But if the GPT model says, oh, I think we should pick product A, and the human says, I don't know, I have a gut feeling about product B, or I have some years of expertise and experience that says we should go with B over A, these choices of how do we implement these models, how we decide what to do when it disagrees with the human, how do we make sure that we are complementing and augmenting the human decision maker and not overruling them is a very much going to be a challenge for the next one to hundred years. I feel it's very interesting at the end of the day, right? Like software engineers, people who make AI, people who make these language models, our goal is to try and automate things, make human life easier, right? And to have like these already set decisions for what should happen if certain occurrences arise. But really at the end of the day, and we have been able to make a lot of things simpler, a lot of things easier because there are like very defined rules in our world at times, but really to make software at, respond to 
something as complicated as our world is, is just very, very difficult. And it's just, it's the problem that us as not just software engineers, but all engineers are looking to answer. It, it's just not easy. And it's what we're doing. Well, we want to really thank you for joining us here on Tech Gumbo. We've had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Me too. It's been great. I've really enjoyed myself sincerely. Okay. Well, that's been Tech Gumbo for today. We're back from an extended vacation and we'll start on a much more regular basis having Tech Gumbo here for you. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.